sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. You might be forgiven if you thought that the pro-life movement was solely focused on what happens at the time of birth or before birth. But there's a very interesting and important case now pending in California involving the end-of-life issues. Our guest today, Mark Lippelman, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. Welcome to Freedom's Ring, Mark. Hi, thank you for having me. So California, if I understand it, has gone beyond simply legalizing physician-assisted suicide. What is it that they're doing now? Yeah, well, we begin with the premise that the government shouldn't be forcing healthcare professionals to violate either their medical ethics or religious convictions just to practice medicine. And that's exactly what California has done here in a new law. They put it exactly backwards, forcing doctors to participate in physician-assisted suicide. And so there was a law, the original version of the law that allowed physician-assisted suicide. Um, it provided that doctors wouldn't be required to participate. And it defined the word participation broadly enough to make good on that promise originally. But there's been a bait and switch. The law has recently been amended to redefine participation in, in a narrow way such that those protections are no longer there and doctors are now forced to participate in assisted physician suicide in a way that violates both medical ethics and the religious convictions. So let me just ask at the outset, because I gather that this case is in the preliminary stages. Is the state of California on record agreeing with your interpretation of the statute? Is there basic agreement that, yes, the statute does require physicians, they, they're not permitted to decline treatment, I'm putting treatment in quotes, to those who say, I want your help ending my life? Well, the state hasn't made an official position one way or another in terms of responding to the motion that we, we have filed in the court. Um, I know that California will say, oh, the law says on its face that doctors don't have to participate. What they would be missing, what your listeners will, will quickly realize is there is a bait and switch. It's, it's plain on the face of the law that the definition of participation has been tinkered and narrowed. And so now physicians do have to perform tasks that they wouldn't have had to do. They do have to facilitate um, assisted suicide. So, you know, maybe I take it for granted, but I think it, it bears at least brief discussion of your clients who object to participating in helping people end their lives. Um, talk for a minute about their moral and religious views and uh, why this is something that is, uh, you know, they, they just won't go there. Sure. Yeah, well, we're at Alliance Defending Freedom. We're honored to represent the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Um, so we're bringing the lawsuit on behalf of them, as well as Dr. Leslie Cochran, who is a hospice physician in California and who is a member of CMDA. 
And so uh, the CMDA, the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, firmly believe that life is sacred, that life is a gift from God. It's precious and valuable from the moment of conception to natural death, and that to participate in or to facilitate suicide or, or death in any way, that violates uh, their religious convictions uh, on one hand, but it also violates their medical ethics. Uh, and that's not a controversial position. The American Medical Association itself, uh, their code of ethics provides that assisted suicide is incompatible with physicians' role as healer, and it would be difficult or impossible to control. Interesting. So that's still the official position of the AMA. That's correct. Well, you know, I've had this discussion with my colleague, who's our legislative affairs director. And, you know, you live long enough and uh, you experience the, the end-of-life suffering of those who really would uh, get to the point where the pain is so much that they really do want to end their lives. Um, and, uh, you know, these are such difficult issues. I'm with you, frankly. I was opposed to the, the whole end-of-life legal scenario and enterprise because I just don't think that it is possible to really preserve freedom of conscience, that people who are old and sick and weak and vulnerable are, you know, doctors really can't tell if there's coercion from family members. You know, the relationship is not that deep. And especially, you know, the medical provider is supposed to be the second to confirm. They don't really necessarily have any relationship with the patient. Uh, so trying to prevent coercion and prevent people from, you know, being coerced to end their life sooner so that they can preserve assets for their heirs. You know, these are such difficult issues. And I guess I come down with somebody really wants to end their life. They can probably figure out how to do it. We don't need a legal system to protect their own freedom. So on the one hand, these issues raise issues, you know, these conflicts raise issues of the freedom of of the individual who may really want to end their life sooner, and the role of the physician who has these very strong medical ethics to preserve life and doesn't want, you know, to exercise their conscience and not provide certain kinds of services. Sure, yeah, and you, yeah, you're raising a couple points there. I mean, one is just the the propriety of assisted suicide on its own, and there's there's the separate conscience issue of dragging doctors who don't want to be involved. Um, but just going back to assisted suicide on its own, um, I mean, all death is tragic. It's devastating, not only for the person who's dying, it, sh it is and should be devastating for their families, their loved ones, and for just the human community around them. And so recognizing that the life is sacred, it's precious, and that, that the loss of that life is tragic, that should be our starting point. And I think there's a coarsening in our culture that we turn a blind eye to that, that we forget that, um, and especially that we would use the medical profession, mm -hmm. which is a profession to, to heal, and, and when healing is, isn't an option to provide comfort, certainly not to kill. Um, so the government should be protecting all of us, especially the most vulnerable, and and then moving on to the conscience issue in in under no set of circumstances should the government be forcing physicians who have medical ethics or religious convictions um, to violate those. Um, and I would just say, 
I, I actually have a personal friend who is struggling with some some extraordinarily severe um, medical issues. Um, I won't say more than that out of respect, uh, but who has mentioned before this option. And if there's one thing I wish I could tell that friend, um, it's just to emphasize, reemphasize how valuable uh, that friend is to me, what an impact they have, you know, um, not only on me but and friends, but on the entire community. Um, and so I think we underestimate the ripples and the impacts that we have, even when we go through suffering, maybe even especially because of our suffering. Well, you remind me of uh, the expression, I want to say in the writings of Paul, I think in Corinthians, that God comforts us in our suffering so that we can comfort others with the same comfort with which we've been comforted of God. Um, so you raise some very good points. I probably should have started on my end by affirming that the ethicists within my own Seventh-day Adventist denomination have drawn a very clear, bright line between the role of the physician in easing suffering at the end of life and not crossing over the line to simply end that suffering by participating in ending the life. Yeah, that's a really important distinction. And that brings up a point that I really want to emphasize. One of the plaintiffs that we're pleased to represent, Dr. Leslie Cochran, is a hospice physician. Um, and he's seen firsthand that a lot of these individuals who are, are in hospice uh, with significant pain, um, that he sees wild shifts in terms of their disposition, the clarity of decision making, things like that due to the pain that once he's able to get the pain managed properly, uh, he sees, you know, significant changes in the decisions that they may want to make. And he's also seen firsthand, and this is part of the record in our lawsuit, that he sees manipulation potentially from family members, from others, because, you know, especially those who have fewer resources and who have mental problems, manipulation that may impact their decision. And so when you have pain and external manipulation that can be so often controlled, you certainly don't want to making such an irreversible um, decision of that gravity under those circumstances. And that's been my conviction, as I stated earlier, that um, there's just no way as a lawyer, my life's work has been dealing with liberty of conscience issues for people of faith. And there's just no way to really guarantee that people choosing to end their lives are not victims of some kind of coercion. Uh, you can't create a system that will do that, you know, reliably. And as I said before, I think, you know, for the most part, I think if people are really determined to end their life, they can probably figure out a way to do it. You know, maybe storing up, you know, uh, enough pain meds that, uh, you know, they can take them all at once. Or, and I don't mean to be giving anybody any ideas here, you know. Uh, so I guess I better stop right there. But uh, uh, so the case at this point, we just have a, a couple of minutes left. The case has been filed in court. It's a challenge to the law in the state of California. Um, and uh, you guys going to just keep going. Uh, how long do you think this is going to take? Well, that's always a good question. We filed our motion for preliminary injunction, so essentially a motion to block enforcement of this law. 
Um, we will, there will be an oral argument at the end of May on that, and the court could rule immediately, or it could be as much as six or more months after that. And so it's ultimately just up to the court to analyze those issues and issue a decision. Uh, but we certainly hope for a decision sooner than later because lives are on the line. Which court did you file in? I believe it's in the Central District of California. So in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you're not in the Eastern District because uh, they can sit on cases for years. <laughs> Central District does a little better. Well, I certainly wish you the best with this one. This is a very important case. It reminds me that uh, maybe a decade ago or less, there was another case that here in California upheld coercing the, um, well, coercing doctors and clinics to provide in vitro fertilization and that sort of, those services to same-sex couples and that they didn't have a right to object to providing those kinds of services. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this case. I imagine the state of California is going to cite that case in defense of, of this one. It, it may, but you make a good point just bringing up issues at the very beginning of life and the end of life. Um, and I think, you know, as to kind of summarize, it's a consistent theme that life is sacred and precious throughout, that God creates um, life. And because of that, we, we have inherent dignity um, and the government should do everything it can to protect um, that life and certainly not put a thumb on ethics and religious convictions. Well, thank you very much. Our guest today, Mark Lippelman, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. We certainly will keep you listeners posted on developments in this case. And Mark, thank you for being with us on Freedom's Ring. Great. Thanks a lot for having me. As we close, friends, this has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.